I have a dream. (laughs) I have a dream of a church that is a biblical church. And one of the things that we push against today in the modern world, particularly here in the West, is that church is becoming conceptually a building or an organization or at best a service. Uh, and so we use the expression, we go to church. Well, no, we don't go to church. This is a building. And when we actually define what church is from a biblical point of view, a church is a group of people who gather together as family, who have a sense of belonging, who actually treat one another as brothers and sisters and God. And you know you can't pick your family, you know that. Who knows you've got to love your brother? Whether he annoys a snot out of you or not, you've got to love your brother. Who knows you've got to love your sister? And we treat the older ones as um, fathers. If they're male, we treat the older females as mothers in the faith. That we're meant to be a family. There's meant to be a sense of belonging and doing life together. That is getting really hard to achieve now in the Western world. In the, if you go back just a few years, uh, if you went down to your local hardware store, you would probably have met, been met by someone that you knew. And he would say, hello, Mike. And I'd say, g'day, Bob. And uh, can I have a pound of nails? And says, what sort of nails that you want? You get personalized attention. You know each other. Now you go into a warehouse. And, you know, you find skeletons in some of the aisles because some of them just never got out alive, you know, you know. You've got to faint to get attention sometimes. And, you know, they can be friendly, but they're paid to be friendly, you know. Welcome to Bunnings, whatever it might be. I'm not getting any sponsorship. That, that attitude is now permeating the church. So the most successful churches in Australia, we'll talk about Australia, the most successful churches in Australia, you can walk in from the car park into the, into the service, have a worship experience, walk out, Get into your car and not meet one people, one person that you know or knows you. I don't think that's church. Can can I get one amen? I actually don't think that's church. Now, as difficult as it is, God has called us to love people. Now, um, who, if anybody has uh, had to learn English as a second language, may God bless you. Uh, English is one of the most complicated languages in the world. And uh, most other languages I've been forced to learn along the way are a lot more easier to learn than English. So to conjugate the verb to be in English, it is I am, you, she, okay? I am, you are, he is, okay? And that's the way we conjugate the verb in the first person singular for the verb to be. Most languages will conjugate the verbs that way, except for Hebrew. Hebrew conjugates the verb this way. He is, you are, I am. It does it in reverse. And I love the way it's in verse because I want to tell you we should start with he is. (laughs) We should start with God. He is the God of faithfulness. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is great. God comes first. Then the next person is you are. It's the person around you, and the I should come last. But in the Western world, the I is always screaming for attention. And I will not ever make a biblical church. It is not my goal 
to grow a crowd. Uh, if God was to appear before me tonight, end of my bed says, Mike, you can have a thousand people, but it'll be a crowd. Or you can have a community of people that love each other, care for each other. I'm going to go for the Christian community that loves it. I want the church, not the building, not the organization. I want people that are committed to doing life with each other. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved, hallelujah, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of what you've done, but a result of what God has done that no one may boast. Can you say, isn't that wonderful? That is just so cool. We are saved by grace through faith. Then it goes on to say this, For we are God's workmanship. He's created us in Christ. So every one of us today are a product to our yielding to God's grace and what he's doing in our life. And of course, all of us could hang out the sign, not yet finished. Wet paint. Yeah? True? Who's finished yet? Who's made it? No one at this stage. So we're all in the grove. So please be patient with Mike. He's not finished with me yet. We're going to try and let God get a little bit deeper a little bit wider in Mike's life. So in every church, there are three classes of Christians. There are baby Christians, just like in any family. There should be babies somewhere in the clan. Somewhere in the tribe, there should be a baby. And babies are great, but babies are on the milk. You know, they just want to suck their thumb. They don't deliver a lot. Then you grow into sons and daughters in the house. And then there are fathers, there are parents in the house. And a healthy church will have a good mix of all three. Yeah? Understand. But here's the truth. Behind the Sunday smiles. Hello. How you doing? Doing good? Behind the Sunday smiles, sometimes there's incredible, incredible amount of pain, damage, habits, bondages, marriages on the brink, bodies in pain. Behind the Sunday smiles, there's often a lot of hurt. And so one of my dreams is that the church, where God has me, will be a healing community and not a hurting community. Church at its worst, if you've been around a little while, can be quite a hurtful place to be. Because what you experience in church actually isn't healing. What you experience are people that are damage and out of their own hurt, out of their own frustrations, whatever it might be, all they do is continue to damage others. What we are desiring is to create a healing community where fault and failure is considered to be normal, but we want to lift up and encourage. You know, if, if Mike's walking on the road and he trips over, Wow, that was a bit too theatrical, Mike. Falls over. You've, you've got a choice. You can come along and kick me. Say, get up, you lazy mongrel. You could, couldn't you? You know, you should do better than that. Or you could say, you're 56, Mike. You shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. You kick the mongrel. Or you could actually lift the person up and encourage them. It's, it's incredibly attitudinal. But sometimes what the church does, it shoots its wounded. It attacks the very people.
people that are in need of love and assistance. I believe that out there in the world today, in the streets and highways and the byways throughout the city of Armadale, there are hurting, broken people. I would love to be able to advertise the church loves hurting people. But of course, that can be read two ways. (laughs) We should love hurting people. And we should be able to say that we're healthy enough Together, not as one of us, because none of us are complete, none of us are perfect, but together we should be healthy enough to provide love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Where are you going to get forgiveness in this world? You're recommending the pub, you're recommending, you know, you know, around a joy. Jesus Christ has paid the price for every sin to be forgiven. Where are you going to find acceptance in the world? You know, join a biker group and get the patch, you know, join the dockers and, you know, where are you going to find except you should be the church of Jesus Christ. But my encouragement today is hopefully I can move you from the back seat of the church or even the front seat of the church to understand that church actually starts in the breakout area. That's where we do church. What we're doing now this is actually, hopefully, an encouragement. It's, it's special training for the saints of God. This is our discipleship session. This is our little Bible college. And this should actually motivate us and lift us to a place so that we go forth and we love and care for people. And you don't have to cross the road to actually do that. You can do that in the breakout area. We've been saying this as a leadership for a long time and still we don't get it but it is about people it is about people jesus said that you are the salt of the earth and what good is the salt of the earth if it's lost its flavor obviously it's not good for anything you throw it out it's trodden under well salt is made up of sodium and chloride so sodium chloride in its natural form becomes salt now if you have sodium by itself it's an incredibly volatile substance. And if you take sodium out of its uh, protective liquid, uh, liquid and you expose it to the atmosphere, it will burst into life and can be, give you a blinding flash. Some of you might have had a chemistry teacher that taught you that a long time ago. It's very, very volatile. If you take chlorine out as its own substance, it's an incredibly poisonous gas. It's corrosive. It's horrible. Jesus, we're told in John 1 chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verse 14, that Jesus is truth and grace. I thank God that he's truth and grace. Because otherwise you end up having sodium by itself. If you've got truth all by itself, what it does is it blinds people. It can take away. It's destructive. If you've got chlorine by itself, all you've got is actually poison. Or if all you do is use truth, you will become a sharp, critical person setting standards that you will even fail yourself. Because no one can live up to any standard. If all you've got is grace, well, it's some sort of namby-pamby, sloppy agape and everything goes to you. We need truth and grace to be working together. So that way we become flavoursome and have salt. We need the ability to truth 
in love. And that way seeing people come to help. Many of us have come through life incredibly damaged. And we weren't damaged so much by the car accident or by, you know, not getting a C for my social studies exam. What really damages people is people. C.S. Lewis says that I hope mankind never actually really gets into space travel because all we'll be doing is exporting evil to the rest of the universe. There is no evil on the moon. There is no evil on Mars. There is only evil where there's people. We are the carriers of sin. We are the rebels before God. And, and so the challenge is, is that we get to a, a place where we become part of the answer, not part of the problem, that we let God so work in our lives that we become communicators of life. There is, in the New Testament, if you get into your computer, the expression one another is used about 87 times, depending on what version you use. One another. So I want to introduce you to a new verb, one another. It's my new verb. Google can be a verb, why not one another? We need to learn how to one another. Thank you! <laughs> a very young looking. We actually do need to learn to one another. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, that the body of Jesus Christ is built up when we one another love. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 that the body is built through into health when there's equal concern for one another. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 2 that we can build up each other when we, sorry, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, when we carry one another's burdens. The Bible says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 that when we love, when we forgive one another. We build up the body of Christ. Are you getting something here? When it says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 9 that the body is built when we are honest with one another. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9 that when we show hospitality to one another without grumbling (laughs) that the body is built. It says again in James chapter 5 verse 16 that the body is built up when we confess our sins to one another. Someone's got it. We need to learn how to one another. And you can't one another if you don't know anybody. You can't one another if you come to the service 10 minutes late and you go home 10 minutes early. You can't one another if all your concern is me, myself and mine. The body is a core to do life with others. Is anybody hearing me today? Am I preaching good enough? If I come to the right church. One of the great stories from church history, I'm a great fan of church history. Uh, One of the things that church history teaches you is that nothing changes. And we don't learn anything from church history. (laughs) But uh, the Apostle John, he's often called the Apostle of Love in the literature. He obviously had some quite a unique experience with Jesus. uh, Some sort of quite a close relationship. Yes, they were cousins, and so that might have put them together, a little bit closer together. But, you know, when it comes to the last night, it's the head of John that's put against the breast of Jesus. 
That's, that's pretty close, isn't it? As they're reclining on their couches. Uh, in John's Gospel, he writing in the third person, just out of humility, says that this is the, the, this is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, Jesus loved all the disciples, but he felt that he could make that claim. So he had a very unique uh, relationship with Jesus. And he's the one apostle that probably didn't die of martyrdom. Uh, the church history says that uh, Emperor Diocletian tried to boil him in oil and apparently wouldn't cook. So they let him out and sent him to the Isle of Patmos and he wrote the book of Revelations and probably died of an old age. Church history says that he finally got released from Patmos when he's quite an aged man, probably 87, maybe 90 years, which in the ancient world is an amazing age to achieve. And he's been returned to Ephesus, which is his home church. And he's very old. And so um, the congregation... They've heard the stories about John. He's been away a long time. There's not that real connection with the apostles. And now they've got the apostle of the house coming back. Pretty exciting, wouldn't it be? And so there's these meetings and all the church comes out. There may have been you know, close to half a million believers in the church at Ephesus by about this time. We, we know it was just very, very healthy. And so they get him to come out. He's quite aged now, so they bring him out on a couch probably a little bit like my sister's over here, to put him up on the crowd and they surf him into the church across the top of the crowd because there's no room and stuff. And uh, they bring him to a place central and they sort of like ask this great apostle to share something that's really deep. Say deep. Deep, deep. Something really deep, you know, something really profound, something that's going to really change their lives. And apparently he got up onto this little couch on his little elbow and he said, little children, love one another. And then they didn't say anything else, went back down. He seemed quite content with that and they took him out again. So church history recalls that the elders weren't particularly happy about that. You know, they paid for the airfare, you know, they brought him across, they got a big love offering to take up and stuff and they just got one sentence. And apparently one elder went up to the Apostle John and says, uh, you know, Apostle John, you know, thank you so much for coming. Uh, great to hear what you said, you know, but uh, couldn't you just maybe, um, uh, couldn't there, wasn't there just something a little bit deeper you could have shared? And uh, John said, the last command our Lord gave us is that we were to love one another. It doesn't get any deeper than that. You want to know what Christianity is about? Love one another. When we finish raising our hands up high to worship God, John says that the next thing we're to do is to put our hands out take our brother and our sister and shed out the love of God to them. It's really quite a profound message, isn't it? It's easy to say, it's easy to do. Um, Sorry, it's easy to say, but it's much harder to do. James tells us that we're to love in word. We're to love in, not in word, but in deed. We're actually meant to actually do this stuff. 
Now, here's the challenge. If you course Champion H Christian Church your home, I want to make it very clear to you that we have some difficult people to love in this house. Starting with me. <laughs> so, here's the deal. You can actually find a church full of nice people. Wish you luck. You could find a church that, of people that are just your class, just your education, just your smell. Or you could come here and we will give you incredible opportunity to love one another. We will give you people here that are crotchety, critical, broken, lack faith, bored. We will give you lots of... That's just your pastor. <laughs> no, no, no. We have the ability here to love Tadiwa, to love Isaac and uh, Sahida, to love the Jarvis family as they go through incredible challenge, to love Lincoln and Ben, who's doing so good. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know you all yet. I want to know you. I want to love you. But I can't do it by myself. We actually have to do this together. We have to be the best lovers in the world. My wife's getting excited. <laughs> to agape people. What that means, it's a decision of our will. It's an attitudinal position. It's not because we actually maybe have anything on an emotional level that has anything to do with it. And we may actually have to love people when we struggle ourselves to love ourselves. We may actually have to be wounded healers going about trying to heal others when we ourselves have a wound. But so is Jesus. He is the ultimate wounded healer. So there is that old joke, the church loves hurting people. So we can hurt people and hurting people hurt others, or we can be healthy people that heal others. So the mission in life is not to raise our standard of living. Our mission in life is to raise our standard of loving. That's challenging. I still am working with Adam, my criminal friend in jail. And uh, this is a man who a number of weeks ago he had me in the Cardinia Tavern in the middle of a gun deal trying to sell his revolver to um, a coffin shooter that will remain nameless. How did I get there? That's what I'm saying. He's introducing me as his father. This is Father Mike, you know. Your past was in the Cadinia Tavern. He'd been hired out by the Murdoch, one of the Murdoch student groups, and they're having a party. I saw these girls dancing on a pool table. And I don't know why they were doing it. I don't think they knew why they were doing it either. No one seemed to be having a good time. I think I was there a bit too early. <laughs> they hadn't been drunk enough to actually stupefy themselves. They didn't know. Adam. It's cost me thousands of dollars to support Adam. But he nailed me in the Holy Spirit. You know how the Holy Spirit can just take something? Bang. The words came out of his mouth. But the Holy Spirit said, and he sat in the car with me very early on the piece. He says, Mike, are you doing this because you have to? It's your job. He says, I don't want charity. 
do you actually care? I felt God spoke to me. My temp- temptation I have as a minister been doing it for 30 years is that becomes a job. You learn all the rules, you learn all the moves, you know what to say, you know what to do, and you get hurt, you get disappointed, people let you down, people come, people go, and so you start putting up the walls, and I'll let you in so far, not more. I don't want to be alone. You know, I don't want to do what I did a few years ago. We took a young man home into our house, and he left with our video. <laughs> It's the gospel. And I, I'm often having questions about, will you, do you wrestle with your status, with what you're doing and all that sort of stuff? I, I, I do a little bit. <coughs> and you see, right now, I'm probably not considered to be an incredibly successful minister. You know, church is good, but it's not really thriving. Well, it's actually quite healthy. But, you know, we're not having a cast of thousands. We're not doing these sorts of things. And, other ministers look at you, your peers look at you and all these things. And all I wrestle with, guys, is am I a better lover? Not whether I'm a more successful minister. How real is Mike? These are the things that I tend to try and come to grips with. Do I really love people? Do I really want to sow my lives into others? And so far, the answer is yes. So far, the answer is yes. But I can't do it alone. So here's the thing. I want to open up a call to the church of Jesus Christ. Not this building, not this assembled crowd, but to someone here today who within your heart, there's a witness that you are a son and a daughter of God. I want to ask you, will you join the healing ministry of Champion Lakes Christian Church? Will you join the healing ministry of what we do here? And here's the deal. I'm not talking about the encounter team. I'm not talking and giving you a label where you can run up and lay hands on people. I'm saying, will you sit down and have a cup of coffee with someone that you don't know in the foyer? Will you actually get to know the person next to you? Will you know them well enough that you can get under their skin and know how to pray and intercede, to know that their marriage might be right on the rocks, to know that they're struggling with pornography, to know and actually do life with them and see them come through to victory in the name of Jesus. Oh, there wasn't quite the same response to that one. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Let's be a loving church. Let's have the musicians up and we're going to pray and uh, we'll release you for your Sunday. Next week, we're starting a series called Miracles Happen. And so for about seven to eight weeks, we are going to be incredibly focused on the supernatural power of God. And we're going to be looking to see signs and wonders take place. I'll be praying for people every Sunday. We'll anoint people with oil. We're going to have God testimonies. And one of the things that we would like to do is that we would like to get about seven or eight God stories from people that are within the family here. Because I can put up a video testimony of some guy that was raised from the dead in the United States of America. But that's not as good and as powerful if it's someone like Dr. Val who's got an x-ray saying, I should not be able to run 
there's my broken spine and I've just completed another marathon. That's got a lot more power, hasn't it, when you can actually say, I know that person, it's for real. So we're going to do a number of God stories. And uh, so I'd like you to, if you, if you feel that you've got something to share, and we'd like to mix them up a little bit. So, you know, maybe that God set you free from an eating disorder. You know, I suffer from anorexia and um, dementia. But I just keep throwing, I keep just forget to throw up, you see. So <laughs> it's true. That one, of the, one of the symptoms of anorexia is every time you sit in front of the mirror, you think you're fatter than what you are. And I always think that. So, <laughs> so you know, maybe God's healed your marriage. It may be you were suffering from depression. It may be that you had an eating disorder. It may be God did heal you of cancer or God did. We we're looking for a range of those. So just see Sam, send him an email, and we'd love to collect some of those stories and then celebrate that we serve a mighty God. He's a good God. So what I would like to do today, seriously, just bow your heads. Bow your heads, close your eyes, or close your heads, bow your eyes, whatever's easier. Here's the call. If I could be arrogant enough to say, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. If I could be brave enough to say, God wants you to join the healing team. God's wanting every one of us to say, okay, it's just not about going to church and receiving. It's also about finding people and giving. Life on life. I'm amazed that a couple of times one of the, some of the great miracles in the Bible was uh, when Elisha raised a young man from the dead. He laid down on the young man and the warmth of his body penetrated, the life penetrated, life on life, and there was resurrection. And I feel that we just need people that are going to lay life on life. Life on life. With an idea to heal. So that's the call. That's the challenge today. Will you become part of this healing community? That might mean sitting down with a, a young person who's got funny hair might mean sitting down with someone who's on your age group, your race group, whatever. But will you be a part of the healing community? Will you belong? Will you belong with the right attitude? That's the call. And if you feel that, yeah, this is something that you ought to respond to, I am going to just ask you right now, just come down to the front and then we will pray. I actually believe it's critical to what God wants to do in our area. I don't think we can actually change our world by simply having a service. But I think we can change our world by having people that love. I think that just works. So you give some thought, but just come down. We'll sing this song. What are we going to sing? Sorry? Something a bit slower. Uh, Happy Day is a nice one to finish with. But Thank you, Lord.
we're not going to be long. <coughs> but I do think it's important that if there's a prompting of the heart, then respond. If there's not, then that's okay as well. You just have to be obedient to what you think God's saying to you. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus. 